Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Partners in Health and Biz with your host, Gail Dixon. Tune in every Saturday, 9 a.m. for great shows about obtaining and maintaining health, business, and finance. Learn from the experts here at PIHradio.net. And now, broadcasting from the Partners in Health and Biz studio, here's Gail. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Partners in Health and Biz. And, yes, I'm your host, Gail Dixon McBride. So happy you could join me this morning. This is a wonderful day. And, uh, yes, we are into the new year. And, again, happy new year to all of my listeners. Yes, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad, and be glad in it. That's right. We are here for you. We are all together. This is Saturday, January the 9th, 2021, and we are so happy that today's show, we are continuing, and we plan on completing (laughs) this, this segment will be the last segment of the ultimate lifestyle for a healthy brain. This is part five, and we have been on this journey together talking about the brain and how we can make the brain healthier, how we can stave off Alzheimer's and dementia, what we need to do in order in order to have a lifestyle that will actually uh, prepare us or help the brain to be healthier. So, Over the past four weeks, I have covered quite a bit of information. Um, If you've been listening, uh, let's see, the first chapter of this journey we discussed, it was about the brain, understanding how the brain works. That was chapter one. And then we talked about the risk factors for Alzheimer's and dementia. And we went over statistics about that. And then we talked about your brain on drugs, various types of uh, chemicals, prescriptions that people take that can mimic Alzheimer's and dementia or can actually um, damage the brain and even bring on the onset of some of these diseases of the brain, such as the Alzheimer's dementia. And we talked about when you should get tested because uh, many of you are, or some of you, many of you are having symptoms and you're wondering, do I have early on on uh, set Alzheimer's and dementia or am I just stressed out? Am I working too hard? Am I uh, moving too fast? Yes, it could be all of the above, but there are places where you can get tested and there are various tests that you can take. Some of these tests you can actually do at home. So we uh, went over that, and if you have questions about any of the things that I just mentioned, you can always go back to and listen to the podcast. You can listen. They are archived and available for your listening uh, pleasure at your leisure. So if you missed that information, you were not able to listen live for those uh, first Uh, four segments of our show, then you can always go back to www.pihradio.net. 
Now, this show is going to be an hour-long show because we like to get through um, this information. It's a, a lot of information. And then after we complete this series, uh, The Ultimate Lifestyle for a Healthy Brain, then we will cover and begin a new topic, a new um, topic altogether. So let's uh, go over briefly what does your brain need. 5.3 million, and before I do that, I would like to give out the call-in number to Partners in Health and Biz. It is 347-945-7433, 347-945-7433. Press 1 if you have a question or comment, and you don't have to do anything if you just like to listen to the show. So 5.3 million, wow, a lot. According to the Alzheimer's Association, that's how many of our nation's populace currently has Alzheimer's disease, a shocking number by any measure. But let's take a moment to think about brain health across the whole continuum. If brain health exists on a spectrum with Alzheimer's and dementia lurking at one end, at the other end is the perfect brain a state of complete mental clarity in which no one resides. So let's just talk about what you need to do and what the brain needs. Uh, briefly, I believe I did go over uh, most of this last Saturday. You need a healthy diet. First of all, we live in an age where there is no lack of advice on nutrition. Every television talk show host has an opinion and no two seem to agree. The truth is no one knows everything about the relationship between the foods you choose and your brain power, but there are some facts that have stood the test of time. So first of all, you have to eat. <laughs> some people think that they can uh, diminish pleasure. This, this interest in food can become so radical, so profound, that some people – even into a stage which doctors have taken to calling an anorexia of aging. Recently, researchers have taken on the task of determining if this loss of appetite might be associated with the decline in neurocognitive performance seen in depressed adults. Their findings indeed is, researchers found that the late-onset depression is almost always coupled with cognitive decline and they, that a loss in appetite might be a marker for the mental decline. And if you've been listening to the news following the um, updates and the medical information, the scientific information about COVID-19, uh, you've heard that some of the absolute uh, symptoms that are different from people having a cold or the flu is people lose their um sense of uh, their loss, they have a loss of taste and a loss of smell, a loss of taste and a loss of smell, and they have a dry cough. Um, so this loss, loss of taste and smell uh, is really important in terms of the COVID-19 symptoms. But moving right along, your brain does not need fad diets. They come and go for a good reason. So that's something that your brain does not need. If you're on a fad diet, you need to uh, stop that. A low-fat diet, is that the way to go? No. Low levels of dietary fat coupled with high levels of dietary carbohydrates 
produces a cascade of other problems. So if you think just by eliminating various fats in your diet that's going to uh, benefit your brain, then I'm sorry to let you know that that's not true. The brain is not able to function without fats. It is essential for our diet. It fills us up, provides satiety, stabilizes our blood sugar, gives us a consistent delivery of energy over time, keeps our brain supplied with necessary nutrients and fats, and helps us restore damaged blood vessels and cell membranes. This also doesn't mean that saturated fats are bad and unsaturated are good. Your cell brains are 50% saturated fat. So if you want your body to function, you have to eat good fats and not fake fake fats. <laughs> fake fats would be hydrogenated fats or trans fats, especially along with a high-carbohydrate diet. Not to mention that fat tastes good, which goes a long way towards helping maintain your diet. So energy on for the brain, while the body mainly relies on blood glucose to fill itself to feed itself, there are other sources of energy it can use too. So um, the brain is the last organ to use the ketones made in the liver, and it takes about a month without carbohydrates. But when it does start using these ketones, it becomes immune to the ups and downs that sugar caused in the past. The body can maintain a steady supply of ketones. Ketones are an important one, typically made in the liver from the fats and proteins, but recent research has discovered that the brain also makes its own ketones. So what is a good diet for for brain and body? What kind of diet does support brain health? Well, the obvious answer is the popular opposite of the dietary factors we talked about. So this means lots of vegetables, healthy fats, organic as much as possible, meat, eggs, and dairy raised in as close to the animal's natural environment as possible. So we're talking about grass-fed cows, raised chickens, etc., also low glycemic, low grain, and low carbs. And <laughs> I want to emphasize no processed foods. So what are processed foods? These are the packaged foods, the, the canned foods. The, um, a lot of the actual frozen foods we, have, we can eat, but those packaged foods, in these plastic bags and these cartons and um, and these canned foods, which have uh, preservatives to keep the foods from going bad, which you need that, but it's not good for you to eat these processed foods. You need the preservatives so the foods don't spoil and rot while they're on the shelves. However, you need to avoid processed foods. And... No sugar or sugar substitutes, artificial sweeteners, preservatives, or other ingredients you don't recognize or have trouble pronouncing. <laughs> yes, so there are many sugar substitutes out here on the market, and 
a lot of people believe that a sugar substitute, especially if you're a diabetic, is better than sugar. Well, sugar is not, processed sugar is not good for you. And these uh, sugar substitutes, many of them are very, they're worse than the actual uh, table sugar. In many uh, instances, such as your Equal, your Splenda, these contain um, various chemicals. Yes, various chemicals that only help minimize effects that you would have later on. So, no sugar or sugar substitutes, artificial sweeteners, preservatives, or other ingredients. There are some sugar substitutes that you can have, uh, would be, which be which be which will be okay. Um, there's the stevia, which is actually from a plant, and that's the sugar substitute that I use. It's natural stevia, and then there's um, xylitol, which is um, also recommended in place of some of these other artificial sweeteners, as I mentioned, like the sweet and low, the equal, there's so many others out there. Um, More specifically, there are a large number of studies currently underway investigating the effectiveness of certain foods on cognitive health. The National Institute on Aging is examining the benefits of omega-3 fatty acids, lipoic acids, blueberries, and coconut oil on brain function. Yes, even walnuts, dark chocolate, avocados, and eggs are making a splash in the research. So I know you're asking, well, how is this and what is this all about? Well, first of all, first of all, uh, omega-3 has received a lot of airtime for their spectacular effects on the heart, as we know. Uh, the omega-3 that is found in fish and the uh, supplements, omega-3 supplements, but they appear to be just as useful for reducing the effects of age on the brain. Omega-3s help with almost every role the brain must assume in its role as a respiratory for memory. Wow, omega-3s help you retain uh, the ability to recognize, wait a minute, uh, omega-3s help you retain facts and learned knowledge. They improve attention and they increase the ability to recognize people and objects. So if you don't if you're not taking your omega three supplements, if you're not eating fish, even if you're eating fish, you still need to um, supplement with the omega threes. Omega threes can be added to the diet by consuming fish, especially salmon and halibut. Very good for the body and for the brain. Uh flaxseed oil, but be very careful to keep it fresh or dietary supplements if you don't if you're not eating fresh uh, fresh salmon or halibut, and uh, fresh flaxseed oil. Coconut oil, and I use the coconut oil in my uh, cereal, in my oatmeal. I cook with coconut oil, and, um, and you can put it in your coffee, and you can actually substitute uh, like a teaspoon of coconut oil in your black coffee if you, if you mainly don't drink black coffee. Well, try this. It 
takes that bitterness away from the black coffee. If you've tasted black coffee and say, no, I can't drink it black, I have to have some creamer um, and a little bit of sugar, well, you can substitute the creamer for the coconut oil. Uh, Coconut oil has made a lot of headlines lately as the latest superfood to decrease the risk of dementia associated with Alzheimer's. Did you know? As one of those ketone foods we talked about above, there is some emerging research looking at the ability it has to improve the ability of the brain to function in insulin resistance. And although the research is preliminary, the National Institute of Aging has noticed and is now investing, investigating its long-term use. So let's talk about blueberries. Oh, I have blueberries almost every morning. Blueberries are chock full of antioxidants, which help promote overall health. They reduce inflammation and circulation, um, including obviously in the brain. Um, Walnuts. Walnuts have been heralded as anti-Alzheimer's foods because of their chemical makeup, including vitamins B and E, omega-3, and more. Now, if you have a walnut, this is interesting. If you have a walnut, look at a walnut, and you will be surprised to look at the little crevices and the crinkles. If you see the actual brain, pictures of the brain, and you can find them on my website, Um, You can go there while we're actually on the air, or you may be on the website right now, as opposed to just listening by calling in. On the website, www.pihradio.net, blog talk radio, and you're on the show, there are two pictures of the brain. Take a, if you have any walnuts, take a walnut and look at the walnut. A walnut actually Incredibly, it actually mimics the form of the brain, the little crevices and how it's crinkled and everything. So, um, next, eggs. Wow. Eggs have been demonized, but they are back and better than ever. For decades, the baby boomer generation was warned against the inevitable onset of heart failure due due to their morning eggs and bacon. But eggs have been vindicated in heart health and now are emerging as a great way to get choline, a necessary precursor of acetylcholine. Now, for the eggs, I what I do, I never, I used to eat an egg a day, and now I'll eat an egg every other day or every third day, um, just before, you know, the, for the uh, cholesterol to keep the cholesterol levels in my body down. Um, I wouldn't, I would not recommend eating an egg every day. You should skip. And I also would recommend, uh, eating a better egg such as Eggland's Best. And I know you've seen the commercials, but it really is a better type of egg the way, um, the eggs are the chickens and the eggs are hatched and the, you know, how they, uh, they protect the eggs uh, from pesticides and various things and how the lower cholesterol, more of the vitamin E in this type of egg. Chocolate. Finally, a reason to eat chocolate without hiding your 
without without hiding your stash. Yes, my husband teases me sometimes because I do like my dark chocolate. Dark chocolate, dark chocolate, not milk chocolate, but dark chocolate. I repeat, 85% contains uh, cocoa flavonoids. So you want the dark chocolate with 85% 85 cocoa flavonoids, which are antioxidants that circulate through the body, fighting free radicals and preventing cellular damage and decay. Dark chocolate has also been shown to enhance memory by protecting and supporting a special part of the brain known as the dentate cyrus. Round out your diet. Next, with avocados for a brain-healthy magnesium, and you are well on your way to a brain-supportive diet. So these are the types of foods that will be very beneficial for a healthy brain. Regular physical exercise, I always talk about that at the end of every show, to get out and get some fresh air and exercise. Exercise is a powerful way to improve health, just like anything that reduces blood flow to the brain can increase your chances of dementia. Anything that increases blood flow can slow or stop that process. So it has been seen for decades and is born out, of, out in research that physical exercise, whether it's gardening, walking, or being involved in sports, can significantly drop your chances of cognitive decline. And um, I mentioned have, uh, blueberries. Blueberries actually um, increase uh, they reduce inflammation and increase circulation, which is good for the body. Okay. Um, so the regular exercise is very good. It helps with um, overcoming depression. Many times people have depression. It helps you sleep better at night, um, and that will help uh, to heal the brain because when we sleep, that's when our body heals itself. Okay, so those are some of the things to do to help the brain. Um, so there are dozens, if not hundreds, of studies cited in systematic reviews, including those done by the Cochrane Collaboration, the gold standard of research, that support the idea that good old-fashioned regular aerobic training has been shown to improve many aspects of cognitive function, such as memory decision-making, problem-solving, and attention. But what other kinds of exercise? Does exercise have to be aerobic? Does it have to be regular? Well, resistance exercise has long been seen as the lowly stepsister of aerobic exercise. While it may not get invited to the ball, but it isn't sitting home crying over it. So specific resistant exercises have been found to combat cognitive decline among the senior set. Weight training, even as infrequently as once or twice a week, has been shown to improve executive function in seniors. So um, that is something that you definitely need to be doing. And the latest, the latest research supports that weight training with machines or free weights improves these functions. But strength training doesn't just make you think faster. It may just make your day brighter. 
Exercising skeletal muscles help the body purge inflammatory chemicals associated with depression. These chemicals are naturally occurring in the body, but cause the brain stress and eventually damage. Muscles which are consistently exercised even show the ability to mobilize enzymes to join the fight against depression. So there are so many reasons for you to do various types of exercise. It doesn't have to be aerobics. It can be low-impact aerobics. It can be weight, lifting weights. Um, There's so many different ways to exercise the body. Um, And uh, so this is something that you do need to consider. So what else can we do to uh, help the brain? Well, challenging the mental activity, challenging mental. Uh, So are you challenging yourself? Are you challenging your brain? You know what? Our brains, if we left them unchallenged, do have a natural tendency towards decline with aging. So what is true is that the downward slope is inevitable. The brain retains plasticity, but it must be pushed around in order to tap into that inert neural flexibility. So think of your gray matter as a three-pound lump of malleable clay awaiting the potter's hand. Memory, executive function, attention, and even the speed at which we process information are all fair game for training. So great. Let's get down to the brass tacks here. Exactly how does one go about molding a three-pound lump? (laughs) The answer is seeking out novelty in life. Physical therapists train balance in patients, injuries, or diseases by pushing their patients to the edges of their current capacity, and then they push them over. That's one of the reasons that balance training works so well in the swimming pool because of the supportive and safe landing zone offered by the water. Excuse me. It is possible to push people repeatedly up to and over their existing balance threshold, and that's how the body learns. It fails. It fails again. And then one glorious day, it doesn't. It learns. Eventually, the brain tells the body to grow muscles, to grow bigger muscles, but in the meanwhile, the body learns to react quicker and to perform movements in a more logical manner. So we're going to have we're going to have a word from one of our sponsors and we'll be right back because hopefully this pandemic will subside or maybe you just need a getaway where you feel it's comfortable, safe, some way to somewhere to go and de-stress. So listen to this and Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It all began about 20 years ago in Elkton, Maryland, when Harry and Leanne Linderman transformed their lovely home into a beautiful 14-suite bed and breakfast inn, which offers a full-course gourmet buffet breakfast. Enjoy in the elegant and spacious dining atrium. Each suite is designed around a romantic historic theme with private bathroom, whirlpool jacuzzi, and gas or electric fireplace. Whether you're planning a much-needed getaway, indoor or outdoor wedding reception, anniversary, business meeting, conference, or retreat, Elk Forge Inn is your go-to destination. 
Get pampered with a massage, facial, or body wrap at their on-site full-service day spa. The inn sits on five acres with two nature trails, breathtaking garden, and miniature golf. Reserve your room today, 410-392-9007. And we are back. You are listening to Partners in Health and Biz on the PIH Radio Network. I'm your host, Gail Dixon-McBride. So very, very happy you could join me this morning. And if you've been to the radio uh, website, you know today's topic is the ultimate lifestyle for a healthy brain. This is part five and the far, the final, I promise you, <laughs> the final part in this five-part series. And we have been discussing what it takes to have a healthy brain, the foods that we should eat and not eat, how exercise and exercising the brain is good to stave off uh, the dementia and Alzheimer's. So what about um, what about playing, singing, and listening to familiar music? Music, and before I do that, I'd like to give out the call-in number for uh, questions and comments once more this morning. The call-in number is 347-945-7433. 347-945-7433. And you can press 1 if you have a question or comment. And if not, you can just continue to listen to the show. Music. I love music. I love to sing. I love to dance. And I love listening to various types of music. I like Christian music. I love the praise and worship type music. I love gospel music. I love jazz music. I even love uh, some types of country and Western music. Yes, I do. Um, And there's these mu- this music, the songs, what do they do? Well, music is different than almost any other form of language. It requires little in the way of mental processing. Yes, yet it evokes emotions and memories, some form, some from days long gone by. When music is partnered with partnered with daily activities such as chores, it can help individuals with dementia focus and successfully fall into a rhythm of normality. Even when the brain has fragmented to the point of severe dementia, the aptitude for performing musically and appreciating music remains. Yes, I saw this on a 60-minute show uh, once. I remember a study of a person who had dementia, but they still did they still remembered how to play um Beethoven and uh Chopin and Tchaikovsky they they knew these songs and they could sit down and play them and it was just it just was miraculous they couldn't remember a lot of things but they could remember this music it's truly one of the last remaining abilities in even the most damaged of brains recently some amazing scientists Science has emerged on the evocative power of music for even the most advanced Alzheimer patients. But music is not just powerful for patients with Alzheimer's disease or other neurodegenerative disorders. Music evokes a powerful release of emotion in almost every human soul. Yes, it can lead to snapping fingers and dancing feet, to touch, to interconnectivity, 
and while listening to music, activates the right side of the brain. Singing brings the left side to life, creating a whole brain clarity that elevates mood, engages the spirit, and reducing stress. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. Oh, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. So see, that kind of that really up, uplifts your spirit. It gives you, wow, the emotion, right? Okay, so every living person has a unique favorite list. You have a list of the songs you love. I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, that's, you know, and you can listen to that, and that just lifts your mood and, and, and brings your spirit to life. But it's a safe bet that music played during formative times of life, early childhood, adolescence, young adulthood, will be linked to the greatest emotions. Okay, so that's something that we definitely want to keep in mind. And, of course, we talked about sleep and rest, how important that is for the brain, uh, because the brain and the body heals itself when you're sleeping. Now, the sleep thing, I do want to talk about that a little more because sleeping, um, a lot of people and a lot of uh, medical professionals have recommended that you need to sleep seven to eight hours a night in order to, you know, be fully rested or to be fully regenerated. But new studies have shown, and I do believe this to be true, it's not necessarily the quantity of sleep that you get, but the quality of sleep. So uh, recently I heard um, a talk show host talking about the fact that she has excellent quality of sleep and she doesn't have to sleep but four or four and a half or five hours, but she feels fully relaxed and refreshed and she looks great. And so it's the the quality. So if you sleep Eight hours, but you're tossing and turning, and you're waking up every uh, every hour to go to the bathroom, or uh, you're in pain for half the night, and you feel like you you looked at the clock, and when you laid down, it was um, say uh, ten o'clock at night, and you didn't wake up until seven o'clock the next morning, and you're like, well, I had seven or eight hours, I should be rested, but the quality is not there, so. You're not rested. You don't look good. When you wake up, you look in the mirror, you look terrible, even though you had you had seven to eight hours of unrestful sleep. So it's the quality. So smart choices. There's no pathway to a healthy brain, but there are so many dead ends that can be avoided along the way. Immobility and isolation work hand in hand to make us into luterds. Luterds. <laughs> And a poor diet for our stomachs and our brains can drive us into cognitive decline or even an early grave. So simple choices are the answer. Choices performed once, then again, and again, and so on, and so on, until inertia is overcome and the joy of it all overtakes resistance. 
That's all it takes, a few simple choices. So make sure you're making the right choices with your diet and your exercise and your sleep. Um, Meditation or other forms of rest are also helpful. Memory consolidation, the actual conversion of short-term to long-term memory happens when you're asleep. But the evidence seems to suggest that it occurs during any period of prolonged restfulness. So meditate. Meditation is another opportunity to do that. And there's a ton of evidence that meditation has similar impacts as napping on cardiovascular and other measures of health. And it might be more socially acceptable in your workplace to do on your lunch break. Meditate. (laughs) Okay, so when is food not enough? Yes, uh, I had talked about, we talked about the types of food that are good. Um, But the typical American diet fails to provide adults with the nutrients needed for for health. Even individuals who take great pains to eat well, consuming no processed foods, little to no sugar, and only organic produce and pasture-raised meats, can do nothing about the fact that modern farming techniques have depleted the soil of many of the nutrients which have historically been part of our food chain. Crops are not rotated as they used to be. Modern fertilizers can force the ground to produce, but they cannot force the dirt to contain the same nutritional value as a properly rotated field could. Additionally, American farms are often designed around the philosophy of make everything taste better, and thus crops are grown with high fructose content, not nutritional value as the primary goal. So think about what you need in addition to food. Unless you're growing your own fruits and vegetables, you have a farm. Uh, well, you may want to think about some other ways to supplement your diet. So so it's clear that there are times when food alone is not enough because how much would you have to eat to make sure when the Europeans uh, then began colonizing the Americas, they made note of the variety of colors, including red, blue, and green associated with what we what we would now recognize as modern corn, for instance. So here are some of the essential vitamins. There are, there are 13 essential vitamins um, called that because your body cannot make enough of them on its own. So you have to ingest or inject them. Those 13 essential vitamins are, and if you're taking notes, vitamin A. Eight B-complex vitamins. There are eight. B1, which is thiamine. B2, which is riboflavin. B3, which is niacin. B5, which is panathenic acid. B6, which is pyridonic, pyridonzine, and that's spelled P-Y-R-I-D-O. X-I-N-E, vitamin B7, which is biotin, vitamin B9, which is folic acid, vitamin B12, and then you need vitamin C, 
vitamin D, vitamin E, and vitamin K. Of these, vitamin D and the B vitamins are often thought of as the brain health vitamins. I repeat, vitamin D and vitamin B vitamins. So if you're not getting these enough of the vitamin D and vitamin B, your brain will suffer. B vitamins are crucial to your entire body's health, making it possible for us to extract energy from food, create red blood cells, and protect our nervous system. Consider the sad stories in the news about parents of newborns who found out the hard way that babies must get B vitamins or become ill. So let's talk about the riboflavin. Vitamin B2 is critical for a uh, as a helper vitamin. It helps the body convert B-complex vitamins into a usable form. So without it, vitamin B6 and folate, vitamin B9, would be next to useless. As just one example, a big one, without rat riboflavin working in concert with the other Bs, it would be impossible for you to release energy from carbohydrates without which the brain and body would immediately begin to falter. Okay, now, a series of recent publications point to the possibility that up to 15% of the general population may have an inherited tendency toward a secondary deficiency in this B vitamin, meaning they can eat a diet rich in riboflavin and still be deficient. This is due to a one-to-two combination punch created by a reduced ability to absorb the vitamin, coupled with a greater tendency to excrete it in the urine. Vitamin B6 is another essential B-complex vitamin, and while B6 deficiency is rare outside of chronic alcoholism and, and frank malnutrition, B6 insufficiency is not. Um, so... Elevated homocysteine levels after effect uh, homocysteine levels affect cognitive health in a huge variety of ways, and vitamin B6 can be one piece of the solution for lowering them. As just a few examples, here are some of the results associated with lowering high homocysteine levels in the body: a slowing of the a slowing of the atrophy of the brain associated with aging. Enhanced cognition, enhanced episodic memory, enhanced somatic memory. Folate acid has many positive benefits, including the ability to support cognitive processing speed, memory, and fluency, fluency in adult health. Other end of the mental health spectrum, deficiencies have been shown to play a significant role in neurodevelopmental disorders, psychiatric disease, and dementia. So you should be getting enough folic acid and vitamin B12, vitamin B12 and folic acid. Vitamin D, also called the sunshine vitamin, is mainly produced by our skin during exposure to sunlight. So that's why I always say at the end of my shows, Get out and get some fresh air and sunshine. We need that sunshine on our skin, which produces the vitamin D. And you'd think that would mean that there was little 
to no risk of deficiency in this vitamin. But the overzealous use of sunblock and avoidance of direct sun has created an unintended consequence of low vitamin D levels, especially for people who live in northern climates. And now during this pandemic, the COVID-19 coronavirus um, that's going around, people are not getting out as often as they used to. They're not. And then in the winter months, the sun is not as um, frequent. You don't see the sun as much. And uh, so people are staying in. They're not they're not uh, getting out because they're, uh, some of them, many of you are concerned about catching the coronavirus. But I'm telling you, get out, <laughs> get some fresh air and some sunshine. Um, the vitamin D boosts your immunity. It boosts your immunity, which will stave off the coronavirus and help you to prevent getting the virus if we boost our immune system. So the now debunked low-fat recommendations contributed to this, too, is as vitamin D is fat-soluble and needs the fat in foods to be absorbed, vitamin D insufficiency and deficiency are now both considered major potential problems for many adults. So I'm going to pause, and we're going to hear another word from one of our sponsors. And uh, when we come back, we will continue. Uh, I will be giving you some more information about what we should be taking in order to have a healthy brain. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Let's be creative with Carrie. Caricatures by Carrie, available for weddings, parties, anniversaries, corporate events, and more. Children's book authors, superheroes, and cartoon illustrators, logo and graphic designer. Contact Carrie for your customized creations. Caricatures by Carrie at gmail.com. Connect on Twitter and Instagram with hashtag CaricatureCarrie and check him out www.carriegjohnsondraws.com And we are back. You are listening to Partners in Health and Biz on the PIH Radio Network, www.pihradio.net. I'm your host, Gail Dixon-McBride. The topic, the ultimate lifestyle for a healthy brain. This is our final, I promise you, final segment of this series. So let's move right along. We have been talking about the importance of, uh, before the break, the importance of uh, various vitamins in our system because food uh, does not always help. I mean, does not always mean that that's all you need. In addition to healthy foods that we should be eating, there are many supplements that we should be taking. And we talked about uh, the fish oil or the omega-3s. Uh, for decades, fish has been described as brain food and for good reasons. Humans can manufacture many of the fats we need from other fats or from building blocks and found, found circulating in the body. But this is not the case for omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3s are essential fats which, just like essential vitamins, cannot be made by the body, so must be taken in by food or supplementation. 
and essential minerals. There are some minerals that we need. Vitamins are not the only game in town. When it comes to brain health, certain minerals have a place at the table as well. Copper and zinc are two trace but essential minerals which have been shown to be important for cognition. Copper, coupled with iron, is necessary for the body to form red blood cells. It plays a role in preventing bone defects and producing healthy connective tissue. This mineral can be found in many types of foods, especially seafood, nuts, and seeds, grain products, wheat bran, uh, wheat bran, cereal, and especially organ meats. For the most part, copper is stored, stored in the body within the bones and muscles, and the liver regulates how much can be found in the bloodstream at any time. Zinc has a hypocritical role in the brain, so much that a deficiency in zinc can cause death or neurons, death of, death of your neurons. Zinc regulates the communication between the hippocampus and the brain's neurons, playing a direct role in improving learning capacity and memory, and so it appears the right intake of zinc is a key part of, achieve, of achieving a healthy brain. Iodine and trace minerals. So where can you get that? Well, seaweed. Seaweed is your best uh, source of iodine, and it can help you kick out lots of toxic chemicals, fluorine, bromine, chlorine, and heavy metals, lead, cadmium, cadmium, and mercury. The definition of a superfood and historically was eaten by every human population that could trade with the coastal peoples. It is mainly the iodine in seaweed that helps us do all of that. It also has compounds like algin and help us with heavy metal detoxification and is one of the richest sources of trace minerals as it has every single one. L-thionine, other than water, the world's most popular beverage is tea. Tea contains a special amino acid known as L-thionine, and that's L-T-H-E-A-N-I-N-E, that can alter the brain's alertness and restfulness. Have you ever known someone who operates well under pressure, someone who does not seem to experience any anxiety, even under stressful situations? Well, many people who do well under stress are exhibiting some of the benefits of tea consumption. L-thionine consumers can exist in a state of wakeful relaxation without ever feeling drowsy or falling asleep and are able to sustain their attention for longer periods of time when asked to perform difficult tasks as evidenced by the enhancement to the alpha band activity of the brain. Tyrosine, T-Y-R-O-S-I-N-E, is an amino acid which functions as a chemical building block of dopamine. So an interesting study to confirm this involved placing uh, placing test subjects in acute environmental stress or in a layman's terms, unbelievably cold water. The study verified that exposure to cold dampens mental performance, no surprises here, <laughs> and that supplementation with tyrosine protected working memory under that environmental stress. L-carnitine, L-carnitine, 
is a derivative of the amino acid lysine, and acetyl-L-carnitine is a very well-researched supplement synthesized from L-carnitine to be more biologically available. So, and let's talk about COQ10. CoQ10 is a shorthand talk for coenzyme Q10. COQ10 is an antioxidant made by the human body that's essential for all the basic functions of the body cells. So what we know now is that as we age, this uh, COQ10, coenzyme 10, uh, depletes or diminishes. Um, our levels of Q, uh, CO, CoQ10 decline, and some of the results of this decline are what people think of as getting old. You can purchase the CO, CoQ10, from your local health food store. Your grocery stores now are carrying it. Um, I recommended this to one of my friends, and she had some problems. Uh, she had cancer, and uh, she started taking this uh, COQ10. Um, also, individuals suffering from medical conditions such as, yes, Parkinson's disease, cancer, diabetes, and health and heart disease have low levels of this important antioxidant. So if you have any of these uh, or if you want to prevent yourself from getting some of these diseases, the Parkinson's diseases, cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. Or if you have it, you can uh, supplement your food with the CoQ10. Um, with the consumption of statins and hypertensive drugs, um, CoQ10 also drops because of this if you're taking um, statins and hyper antihypertension drugs. Uh, antihypertension drugs, which are commonly taken by seniors. Fortunately, it is possible to increase the body's storehouse of this antioxidant by supplementing with a man-made version of CoQ10. Again, CoQ10, C-O, capital Q, and then 10, which is short for coenzyme Q10. Coenzyme Q10, or COQ10, has been linked to so many wonderful benefits that it's hard to make a short list. But let's take a moment to hit some of the highlights. First, CoQ10 supplementation has been used to enhance, to, has been used to reduce high blood pressure and heart failure. In fact, the evidence for both of these conditions is particularly strong. It has also been used to reduce the effects of high cholesterol, eye disease, asthma, and chronic fatigue. Some preliminary studies suggest that the use of CoQ10 coupled with other antioxidants and minerals may reduce the appearance of aging such as skin roughness and wrinkles. Other research even suggests that a combination of CoQ10, acetyl-L-cartanine, and omega-3 may reduce the effects of age-related macular degeneration. So that is a very important um, mineral, the CoQ10 that should be uh, in your diet, especially if you are, I would say, over the age of 40, you would want to start taking this. Um, it has, in the initial stage of Alzheimer's disease, scientists have discovered that there is a decline in the level of energy metabolism. The cells are not pumping out enough energy to take care of basic house cleaning. 
Um, so that's why the coenzyme Q10 is very, very helpful. Um, another supplement that helps as we age is the ginkgo galoba. Is a rising star out of all the memory boosters currently being investigated. Physicians from European countries already prescribe ginkgo for patients with dementia, and several systematic reviews have shown that ginkgo is at least as beneficial for management of dementia as the most common prescription medications. Ginkgo biloba, or ginkgo galoba's strongest suit is its ability to improve blood flow in the small vessels of the brain and elsewhere. But that is not the only effect of this powerful plant. Ginkgo has also been shown, shown to support mental accuracy, mental calmness, short-term memory, general intelligence, visual, uh, visual spatial abilities, and attention processing speed. Ginkgo has been shown to improve the ability to remember appointments as well-known problem directly a well-known problem directly associated with mental age. And then we have the ashwagandha, A-S-H-W-A-G-A-N-D-H-A root. Ashwagandha root is a commonly used herb in Ayurvedic medicine. For hundreds of years, ashwagandha root has been revered in Asia for its antioxidant, rejuvenating, and anti-inflammatory properties but recent studies have shown that there is more to love about this lowly root than its ability to protect the human brain against cellular damage. Recent research has demonstrated that an, ex- that an extract from the root can be used to benefit the cardiopulmonary, endocrine, and central nervous systems. So that's something else that I take. I'm taking the ginkgo galoba, the ashwagandha, um, the CoQ10, um, and so those are some of the, and then the final herb uh, recommended is the Bacoba, spelled B-A-C-O-P-A, is another herb that has been shown to improve cognitive function. It has been used traditionally in Ayurvedic medicine for centuries for cognition and improving intelligence. And one study... Test subjects over the age of 65 showed significantly improved delayed word recall, could remember items, and pick out important details amidst irrelevant information, the Stroop test. And as an added bonus, depression and anxiety decreased significantly as well. So those are the um, ways that you can have, ladies and gentlemen, a healthy healthy body. This is the ultimate lifestyle for a healthy brain. Remember to your your strategies are to manage your blood sugar. Manage your blood sugar. Eat every three hours or before you're hungry. Fat with everything, no exceptions. Limit your carb intake. Trade real, real food. Don't eat uh, for fake food. Don't eat fake food. That's strategy number two. Strategy number three, add coconut oil into your diet. Strategy number four, reduce stress, meditation, music, singing, dancing. Um, Strategy number five, get plenty of quality sleep. Strategy number six, exercise. And those, ladies and gentlemen, if you practice those things, go back and listen to part one through five of Partners in Health and Biz, 
the ultimate lifestyle for a healthy brain. Until next Saturday, everyone, stay healthy and business savvy. I'm your host, Gail Dixon-McBride. Get out, exercise, and get fresh air. Have a wonderful, blessed day. Ta-ta for now.